Have you ever heard somebody say something like this? My son or my daughter or my parent or somebody that I know, they, they aren't walking with the Lord right now, uh, like they're in a season of rebelling or they're, they're just not really walking the walk right now, but I just know that they love the Lord. I know they love the Lord, even though their life, they're just not into that right now. Do you, you know, have you heard those types of things? Yes. I literally yes. just said that before we came over here. Okay. So, um, I, one time I overheard a conversation, Mary Beth did too, there was one person asking another person, um, they were asking about a, a marriage. They were saying, is the person that you're going to marry a Christian? And the pers- other person answered, yes, of course, of course he's a Christian. And the person asked me, so well, how do you know that he's a Christian? And the person said, well, when we started dating, I asked him if he loved the Lord, and he said yes. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> that was the extent of um, That's a good works for me and I wonder <laughs> I wonder like does that does that pass is that um, is that have, have they met the minimum entrance requirement into the kingdom if if they have said at some point that they love the Lord um, sometimes when people say that I've done this we're really just trying to talk ourselves into believing something that we don't know is true or not. We we want to think with everything that we have or every everybody every with all that we are that this person that we love usually is is truly a believer in Christ that truly knows Him, um, and we cling to passages like one that we're going to look at tonight, the greatest commandment, which the greatest commandment of all, in short, is to love the Lord, right? Like if you want to whittle it all down, all of the commandments, and, and, and find that the most important, a short way of saying it would be love the Lord. Um, when we read Luke's version of what we're going to look at tonight, he says this is, Jesus is answering, this is how we have eternal life, is that we love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbors ourselves. Um, so... We can look, and I often see people looking at, at, at a love for the Lord as kind of the minimum entrance requirement into the kingdom. Um, and it's often because we, it's somebody that we want so badly to um, experience heaven along with us. Obviously, loving the Lord, just that phrase in and of itself, needs a little bit of definition. Like, okay, who is the Lord? Um, what does loving him mean, or what does that look like to love the Lord? Because that could be a lot of different um, things to different people. So we're going to look into that tonight in Mark 12. I Before we just hop in and read the first little section, I want to just point out that um, the place that we are in the story. So Jesus has he, he's arrived in Jerusalem. He's about to be um, crucified. We know. Uh, the people in the story don't know this yet, but um, in a couple days, he's going to be on the cross, and then in a tomb after that. And um, last week we saw he's getting all these questions from all of the religious leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, asking him political questions, theological questions. And the the section that we get in today, I think it's important just to point out that um, this 
this is Jesus, some, some of his last public statements before his death, and it's very public. It's in Jerusalem, it's in either inside the temple or some of it on, in the maybe outside courts of the temple. Like, Jesus is, is talking, um, I think, in a very summarizing way. Like these are some, some final thoughts that he's going to give, and he uses some of the questions that people are asking him to describe. Here's, here's what's important. Here are the greatest things that you need to know. Um, and he certainly goes into that today. In Matthew's version um, of the, what we're going to read tonight, uh, Jesus says that, that the statement that he's going to make here about loving the Lord is uh, on this idea depend all of the law and the prophets, he says. So everything Israel and your Old Testament Bible um, this it, it all comes down to what I'm telling you here. So it's very summarizing. So let's look. Mark 12, uh, starting in verse 28, says this. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. With He's disputing with the, just got done with the Sadducees in Mark. Um, the scribes, by the way, are teachers of the law. They're like the scholars. So some translations say teachers of the law. Um, they're like the biblical commentators of the day people who are most experts in the law. Um, they heard, one of them came up, heard him disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked, so he asked Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one neighbor, one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. I don't know if you've ever been uh, in this situation before. Uh, maybe looking at the Bible and you're just learning new stuff. You're in a bunch of different Bible studies, and you're like, "Man, there's there's so much to learn. There's so many commandments, or there's so many ways that I can grow in my walk with Christ." Um, and I'm kind of a logical thinker, and I just think, "Hey, can I can we like categorize these so I can start at the top with the most important, and then you know once I can check that off the list, then I'll go down to the others." But I'm I. I think like this guy. I'm like, hey, tell, give me some categories to think in so I'm not overwhelmed with all of it. Um, what is the most important? And Jesus answers first by saying, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, this is from Deuteronomy 6, the Shema, very popular um, passage to people in Israel. Remember, Mark is probably writing Christians in Rome where there were many gods. And so this, I think, is, kind of, hey, let's make sure we're all on the same page with who this Lord is or who this God is. Don't get confused among all the gods of the Romans in, in 
our, um, our century would say, don't get confused with all the gods of Hinduism or other religions or the god of Islam. There is one Lord, Jesus is saying, who is the, the God of Israel. He's quoting from their scriptures in Deuteronomy 6. So here's a first little bit of definition to the great commandment. The Lord, God, isn't anybody that you make him up to be. We can't just choose to love the God of our imagination. I, I think God's kind of like this, and I love that God, right? That's not what he's saying. He's that there's a specific God. He's the God of Israel. There's that one God. He is the, he is the God. He is the Lord. He's the one who we worship. He's the one who we are to be obedient to. He is, he is the Lord, so he's an authority. He's our master, one God alone. Now that that's defined, love that Lord. Okay. If you're looking for the most important thing to do, love the Lord, the one Lord God. Not any Lord, but the Lord, the God of Israel. And love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. All, 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 all this Greek word halos that means just what our English word means everything completely the entirety of it and of these different areas of our life the heart which is like what um, that's the, the core of who we are and our soul kind of the seat of our emotions and our mind our thoughts and um, our strength that's kind of like our, 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 our doing of things love the Lord with all of these things, the whole heart, the whole soul, the whole mind, the whole strength, completely and entirely. So love the Lord with all of your everything. Hold nothing back from him. Now, does that sound like, well, I know they love the Lord, they're just not walking with him right now. Love the Lord with all, 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 all of your everything. Not Part of your time, but all of your time. Love the Lord with not part of your wallet, but all of your wallet. Not part of your leisure, but with all of your leisure. Love the Lord with not part of your hidden thought life, but all of your thought life. Not part of your TV choices, but all of your TV choices. Love the, word, the Lord not with part of the choice of words that you use, but with all of the words that you use. Not with part of your relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend, but with all of that relationship. Love the Lord not with part of your weekend, but all of your weekend. Love the Lord with all of your everything, he's saying. That's why he says heart, soul, mind, strength. It's not to parse each one of those, what do those mean? He's saying just everything that encompasses who you are. Love the Lord with all of your capacities. So, definition to this great commandment. There is one Lord, the God of Israel, Love him with all of your everything. What's uh, a very popular church slogan or mission statement? There's, there's one that comes to my mind that I just think this is like 50% of churches in America at least. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. That's, was that what you were thinking, Nick? I, I was thinking all are welcome here. All are welcome, okay, that's good too, yeah. 
love God, love people is what I was thinking about. And, and that's, I mean, that comes kind of right out of our, our uh, passage here tonight. To love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's in Deuteronomy. To love your neighbor as yourself, that's in Leviticus. These are two different commands. And so churches, I think rightly, have kind of summarized the, the, the work that we do in those two things. Love God and love people. Both of those things. Or love others or love your neighbor. Two things. But watch this. The scribe asks... Which commandment, singular, is the most important? Which commandment? Jesus answers with, love God with all of your everything, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these, he says. So Jesus, he's asked for one, and he gives two. And he puts these two at the, the top. He says, this is, these are, this is the greatest commandment. This is his answer to that question. In Matthew's version of this, Jesus says the second command is like the first. Two commands, but they are much like each other. So, what I got to thinking is, if we are to love the Lord with all, 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 all of our everything, how are we to have any love left for our neighbors? Um, it seems impossible. It's like saying, hey, empty your bank account. Buy a new car with all of your money down to the last penny and buy a truck. It's like, well, if you, if you drain your bank account on the one, then how do you have room for the other? If you pour out every last drop of your love on God, how do you have love for anyone else? How, how can we love God with all of our heart and soul, mind, and strength, and love people? Um, I was driving through, or Mary Beth was driving us through South Carolina a couple weekends ago, and you know, there's churches everywhere, like every, not even quarter mile, it seems like. There's another big, huge church. Um, and, and they all have the um, little like pithy statements on their signs, right? They're like trying to engage you with some thought about who God is and it's something that just kind of blows your mind or something kind of um, cheesy sometimes or whatever it is. But you know what I'm talking about though. What are those little boards called? The marquee, there you go. Um, so we were driving past one church. I didn't even get the title of the church or the denomination or anything, but I, um, it, out of the corner of my eye, I saw their um, statement kind of on their marquee and at first I thought it was just like everybody else, love God and love people. Uh, but then I, I, I kind of took a second glance, I don't know why, but I saw on the sign what I think uh, Jesus is, is doing here with his words, and I think um, we will find clear in other places in Scripture as well. Their mission was loving God by loving people. Loving God by loving people. And I thought, that's a, that's a little different. Usually it's love God, comma, love people, or love God and love people. Usually, or oftentimes they're treated maybe as, um, as separate things. Love the Lord. I, I wonder if this is true. Love the Lord with all of your everything 
by loving your neighbor as yourself. The second is like the first. What if loving God and loving your neighbor are, are mutually inclusive? That, that they happen at the same time. And what if when you're not loving your neighbor, then in that moment you aren't loving God with all of your everything? Where else in scripture might we see a similar idea that we love God or we love Jesus by loving others? Any ideas? First off, I think, and I agree, the, the book as a whole, yeah, is there, maybe you want to look up a specific verse. Um, I think the Good Samaritan, Okay. Um, I was thinking most of the Bible, right? Okay. Yeah, we see people throughout most of, or a lot of the Bibles, serving other people as an expression of their um, obedience to the Lord, or maybe their love for the Lord. Is there anything, like, directly that... Whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. Okay, yeah, so, like, Jesus literally says, um, uh, in his kind of talking about the, the end times and the final judgment... Whatever you have done to the least of these, my brothers, you have done to me. He says, what you've done to people, you've done to me. So that's a, yeah, a real direct one. Anything else you all can think of? Yeah, so just because they've kept some of the commandments, they've disregarded God because they've disregarded those people in need or some of the weightier things of justice and mercy. And Yeah, that's good. That's good. I don't remember where it says, but doesn't it say, like, you can do all these things, but if you don't have love, then it doesn't mean anything? Yeah, 1 Corinthians 13. Um yeah, you can do a lot. You can do all sorts of really great things, but if you haven't love and and love there, I don't know if it's defined specifically for God or if it's saying you you have to do these things in love for other people. But um, Eric, First John five, um, one, or or, or um, yeah, yeah, five one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one's good. What's that say? Um, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Okay, so the last half of that is, if you love the Father, you love whoever has been born of the Father. So specifically in this case, and throughout the book of 1 John, he's saying, if you truly love God, you will love your Christian brothers. That's, that's a big deal. A lot of... I, I hear, I don't know about you guys, but I hear a lot of times, man, I just love the Lord, I love the Lord. I can't stand people, but I love the Lord, I love the Lord. <laughs> like, I, I, understand, I understand what you're saying in that. People are hard. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, we definitely see that in 1 John. Um, we saw a few weeks ago, 
Jesus holding children in his arms. Whoever receives such a child as these receives me, he says. You receive these humble and lowly children, you've received me. Um, Peter has this really cool interaction with Jesus at the end of the book of the Gospel of John. It says, when they finished eating breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This is Jesus saying, you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So Jesus said, tend my sheep. You see what he's saying, like, love me by loving them. A third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. We, we love God or love Jesus by, by loving people. Um, there's a kind of reverse of this. You can read in 1 Corinthians 8 that when you're sinning against your brothers, you sin against Christ, it says. What you're doing to people, it's as if you're doing it to Christ. When Saul is persecuting the church before his conversion, Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you, Lord? And, and uh, Saul says, or Jesus says, I, I am the Lord who you are persecuting. Well, Paul is persecuting people, but Jesus says, you're persecuting me. So you see all these connections. Like, we, we love God by loving people, or we don't love God as we're not loving people. The Lord gives definition to loving him in part by saying you love your neighbor. Almost like this, this greatest commandment, almost they're, they're wrapped up, they're almost one in the same, they go together. So there's one Lord, here's, here's the definition we're seeing in some of the great commandments, there's one Lord, the God of the Bible. Love him, that Lord, with all of your everything by loving your neighbor as yourself. hard to love our neighbor, right? Um, in, in Luke's account, uh, the, I don't know if this is the same interaction, I think it might be a different one, but Luke, uh, Jesus uses, quotes the same verses from the Old Testament, the Good Samaritan. Um, after he says, hey, what, what must I do to have eternal life? He says, well, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the, the guy who's asking the question says, who is my neighbor, right? And Jesus basically defines neighbor as whoever you come across in your path who is in need of compassion as your neighbor. It's not necessarily your loved one, or it's not necessarily um, somebody that is lovable. It's just whoever comes into your path that needs um, some compassion. So love the Lord by loving them, not by loving people who can pay you back necessarily. That's what the Pharisees or, or the tax collectors can even do that, right? They can love people who love them back, but your neighbor is not necessarily going to love you back. And not just love your neighbor, like give them a few bucks, give them a nice smile, give somebody a listening ear for a little while, but love your neighbor as yourself. That's how you're going to love the Lord with all of your everything is that you love your neighbor as yourself. Paul says, count others more significant than yourselves. And to make it harder, I think it's, it's not just, hey, do nice things for them and have compassion on them, but don't think of yourself 
in your heart, don't place yourself above others. So it's not just, well, I'm going to have pity on this person and I'm so great and I'm you know, going to reach down to them in opinion. No, like don't think of yourself above them, but do to them as you would have them do to you. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, don't say, I love the Lord, and certainly don't say, I love the Lord with all of my everything, if you're not loving your neighbor as yourself. Those commands are, are mutually inclusive. We have a lot of religious Christians in the world that um, would proclaim a love for God and will say it over and over on Sundays at church as they attend the service, but disdain their neighbors, right? That's not love for God. What you're doing on Sunday is not love for God if you have no love for your neighbors. At least the God of the Bible, if you want to love him, then he spells some of this out. Um, interestingly, the scribe that is asking the question, he's asking about the greatest commandment, he hears Jesus' response, he agrees with it, and Jesus says to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. That's the only place I can remember reading something uh, quite like that, that he tells this person, you aren't far from the kingdom. Like, you're, you're close, in agreeing with me, you're close to the kingdom of God. What do you think makes him close? Like, isn't it enough? Hey, I agree. That's the most important thing. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. I agree with you, Jesus. Like, why, why does that put you close to the kingdom of God? Because you're not doing it? Yeah. Words are cheap. Like, you can agree with that all you want, but when it comes to loving God, we don't just say it. When it comes to loving our neighbor, we don't just say it. You, you want the king... The kingdom of God is, comes as, as we are practicing these things. That's the kingdom of God. We're not going to be sitting around in the eternal, forever kingdom of God just talking about, well, here's all the commandments that we should be keeping. No. Like, part of it is doing these things. Uh, Matthew 23, Jesus says to the scribes and Pharisees, they preach, but they don't practice. Like, scribe who's asking me this question, you're good, you're close to the kingdom of God, you know the right answer in this situation. What Jesus quotes, the Shema, Deuteronomy 6.4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That word, hear, Shema, is um, not quite like our word, hear, like you just kind of take it into your ears, like, hey, listen to what I'm saying, but it's hear and obey. Obedience is directly tied into that word, Shema. Hear and obey. You don't just know about life in the kingdom, you participate in life in the kingdom. And when somebody says, well, they're not walking, or I'm not walking with the Lord right now, but deep down I really love the Lord, it, if you're not actively living into it, you're not loving the Lord. And you're, you're close, but not in. And so Jesus follows this up. We're going to look at the next um, little three sections, and we're not going to spend much time in, in any of them. But he follows it up with specifics and kind of practicalities to this. So not just empty words like this is good that you know these main commands, but he's going to give real definition in real life. First, Jesus gives a definition to this one Lord concept. So um, in verse 35, Jesus taught in the temple and he said, how can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? Now, it's interesting. He's just kind of commended the scribe but he, and said you're close to the kingdom of God and now he's going to kind of come 
against the scribe in the next two paragraphs. So he's kind of saying, here's why you're close but no cigar. Jesus taught in the temple, how, how can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself and the Holy Spirit, in Psalm 110, declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. So stop there. Um, this is it's confusing when I read it usually. Um, Jesus is quoting from Psalm 110, a psalm of David, and that was a psalm that was accepted in, in Jewish circles as a psalm that's talking about the Messiah. Okay? David says in that psalm, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand and tell me. So David speaks of two lords. King David speaks of two lords. The Lord, Yahweh, if you read it in the Hebrew in the, in, in the Old Testament, that first Lord is all capitals, Yahweh, the God of Israel. The Lord said to my Lord, another Lord talking about the Jews accepted the, the Messiah. Okay, so God said to the Messiah, and he goes on with this, sit at my right hand, but those two lords are above David. He calls them Lord. So David, as Israel's king, taking the, the highest place in a society as, as that a man could have as king of, of a kingdom or of a nation, he talks about two lords, or he talks about a lord besides Yahweh. So what is he saying? I think he's saying that that other lord, who they have accepted as the Messiah, must also not be human, but must be divine. So Jesus is, he is the son of David. He doesn't, he doesn't say this necessarily wrong that the scribes say that. He's from the lineage of David. But he's more than just the son of David. So far in the Gospel of Mark, we've seen, um, hopefully at length, that Jesus is the Messiah that the Jews were waiting for. Now, but we've said a hundred different times in different ways that he was a Messiah, not quite as they were expecting the Messiah to be, right? He's the suffering servant. He's, he's compassionate with people. He's not setting himself up as some royal leader. And here we see, and we're going to continue to see, through the end of Mark, that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is also the Son of God. I know that to us, most of us, like, that's not a big deal. We, yeah, we already know that. But what Jesus is telling the, the people who are listening in the temple, the Messiah is much more than an earthly, anointed by God king that you've been hoping for. The Messiah is a transcendent, divine Lord. Uh, it's just important to note as we, as we move through Mark. If you remember at the very beginning of Mark, the very first um, verse of the book, it's, it, Mark kind of lays out his thesis for the book. He says, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. This is what we're going to talk about, this gospel of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Um, Peter has already proclaimed Jesus, yes, you're the Messiah, and as we move along through, we're going to see more and more of a recognition or recognize ourselves, Jesus, as the Son of God. So, Jesus, uh, 
this, this little statement about what David says takes place directly after Jesus affirmed that the most important commandment is that you love the Lord who is one. Remember that? Hey, the Lord is only one. And then he goes on to talk about two lords. And so if there's only one, then you see somehow it has to be the two that are one in the same, if there is truly only one Lord. So you can see kind of how the, the doctrine of the Trinity kind of is, is formed out of verses, some verses like this, at least with Jesus and the Father here. Um, the earliest Christian confession that we know about, you would identify as a Christian, would be saying, Jesus is Lord. And that carries with it the, the tone of, 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 of God or Lord. So definition to the greatest commandment, Jesus is the Lord who we must love with all of our everything. Verse 38, and in his teaching he said, Beware of the scribes who walk around, who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. What do you think Jesus is illustrating here and as it relates to the, the great commandment section that we just looked at? What are the Pharisees doing or are the scribes doing or not doing? They're talking the talk but not walking the walk. Okay. And the, the walk that they're walking, um, how does that compare to the great commandment? Specifically the second half of it. They're not loving other people as they would love themselves. Yeah. They're putting themselves above other people, right? They're devouring widows' houses, and they're, they're, they're taking all of the best position. They're not treating their neighbor, loving their neighbor, as they love themselves. They're putting themselves above their neighbors because they love themselves more than their neighbors. So he's showing, I think, in a very practical way, he's just saying, here's, here's a people who have placed themselves above others, and when you place yourself above others like that, you're breaking the most important commandment of all. What are some ways that we place ourselves above other people? I think we're better than them. Right. How so? <laughs> in, in, in what ways do 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 we or do some people? I don't know, Charles. Say, you tell us. Uh, class, clothing, just job, just okay. ability, relationship, just. All of that. Yeah. Superiority and cleaning dishes. Yeah, superiority and leaving your dishes out. <laughs> There's definitely no the backstory. Yeah. 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 At all. Hard driving. Hard driving. Yeah. Yeah. That's what when you see everyone <laughs> waiting in line to exit and you pull your car uh, right in. Right into the front of the line and just you're someone knows right in. They're just burning you, huh? I want to ram them with my car. <laughs> Everything inside of me. With all your with heart, all, and all, your soul. all my heart and soul and my <laughs> ram their car. Healy's <laughs> helping me. Being in a culture where, like, if they value like intellect, you can put yourself in that way or education or arts like I you 
know, people put themselves above other people, how artistic they are or not, or how well-read they may be, or spoken, or um, I think in a real practical way, like even how we dress can like try to, we can measure a crowd based on just superficial, like for me, I can sometimes when I see women my age and I, and I see they've had like a lot of work done, I tend to think I'm better than you because I don't have to do all that to feel like confident or to feel security or whatever, you know? When, no, at the same time, I put on mascara, I've got blush, I dye my hair. So it's like this weird, like, well, no, I still do things to enhance myself, but I can place myself above them if I, you know, so. And in a weird way, I bet they, people like that feel like they're better than people who don't have plastic yeah. yeah, exactly. You know? Because right. they don't have the money or whatever. To yeah, yeah it's all so them. weird. Yeah. Even still, like I'm thinking to myself, you probably have, well, and, and that's horrible. I'm like, I, I can even put myself above them to think, um, like, I know this is probably, this is, I'm just being real honest. Right. Like, I see people that drive like really nice cars. I'm thinking, oh, you're probably like so in debt. You probably have nothing in retirement. And you're not going to be That's right. So I can be a little like, I can put myself <laughs> above them, even if they come in like, young people like we live across a place here where people walk out and they like hop in a Bentley and I'm like no no you don't you don't own that Bentley <coughs> you know why are you renting and you drive a Bentley why are you renting so I can like place myself automatically <laughs> above even people that I'm called to love you know and so how dare you Mary Beth I'm gonna have to cut you off exactly let's get honest you know like, Wow. Yeah. I, I thought your center now. I thought I was just a little bit better than Mary Beth. <laughs> 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 if you walk into a room of, of people that you don't know, um, I, in, in ways I, I wouldn't be surprised if most people kind of size themselves up in different ways. I know, I, I've said it before, certain guys are going to kind of size up, hey, how do I fare as far as the, you know, strength or buff competition here? Um, who's, am I, am I the coolest one in the room? Am I the person that people like want to talk to? Or am I kind of a nerd? Um, Am I more disciplined than people? Like that's more disciplined, prettier. I mean, we, we could smell better than everybody else. Charles and Paul always do. Just how about Christian? How about in Christian circles? Like I, I like think. Well, I'm the most loving Christian in the room. Oh my God. It's like yeah. such a sick disease, but I, I knew you thought that. Well, well, <laughs> I thought that. <laughs> but you know, like that's serious. Like you could have, like you could start with the right heart and try to do all these things for people in the church and then you can like very quickly turn on its head and you're like, oh crap, now I'm just doing this because like people like me. Yeah. But like I gotta keep it up because that's my Christian, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, that's good guys. If, that's really and if we, <laughs> if if our attitude is is like some of what we've described, 
that is going to make us treat people in a certain way so that when when we're even if we're choosing to serve them we're, we're treating them as if they're unworthy of, of being served in that way um, and maybe you maybe you decide you're not going to serve somebody because they don't deserve it and or you're just better than them or maybe you're not going to listen to somebody because what they have to tell you about their life isn't interesting to you or it just you just really don't care about what they've got going on in their life um, maybe see like maybe you've been this person or seen these people that like are constantly trying to interject things about themselves into the conversation you're always trying to like place yourself well I've done this and I know this person I've said this and um, so how how will we see people? Will we see people as, as lower than ourselves, much like the, the scribes obviously were doing in these verses that we just read? Or will we see people as we see ourselves? Because really, like we learned a few weeks ago, they are just like yourself. They are a person that's just in, as much in need to have the childlike faith in God that you need to have in God. And if you can't love them as if you are loving yourself, then you certainly won't love them as if you were loving Jesus. Remember, loving God by loving people. If you can't love them as if you're loving yourself, then you certainly won't love them as if you're loving Jesus. When you place yourself above others, you're, you're breaking the most important commandment of all, and you're not loving the Lord in that moment. Verse 41, last little section. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. I used to think this is like a really kind of random story before Jesus kind of talks about end times and then he's out of there. Um, but he, he's watching people put money in the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which makes a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Here, this woman is a simple illustration of keeping the great command. The widow demonstrates a proper love for the Lord by loving him with how much? All. all. The, the same word as before, Halas, the all, love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love the Lord with all of your everything. The widow says, put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. Now, don't get too caught up with, well, do I, does that mean that we're, I'm supposed to put in everything that I have, all of my bank account, into the offering basket as it's passed around? Um, it may not be a 100% contribution to the church budget, but I believe we are called to acknowledge and practice with every dollar that we have and every thought and every desire and every everything that he gets it all. We love the Lord with all of it. Our love for him doesn't stop with, well, I've loved Jesus 
more than people. And kind of relative to this other person, I guess I love the Lord. No, God wants it all. Do you give all of your everything? So, a little bit of definition to the great commandment. And no, it's, it's not good, uh, good enough, as some people would say, well, uh, at least I know she loves the Lord. He loves the Lord. Well, there's one Lord, so let's make sure we're talking about the right Lord, the person of Jesus, the Son of God. We are to love him with all of our everything by loving our neighbor as ourselves. If you want to keep this commandment, this one that Jesus is summarizing right at the end of where he's about to die on the cross and then shortly after that ascend into heaven, you want to keep this commandment that summarizes all of the commandments of the Old Testament, love God by loving your neighbor. I want to give just a couple of little tips. These are just uh, uh, my own thought as we just think about loving our neighbor and trying to do that well. Uh, I can get overwhelmed with this because I think, man, we have, uh, there's an entire world full of, of people, right? Like there's seven point whatever billion people. Um, and, and if I'm supposed to love people and practically not just talk about it, not just feel it, but, but do something, live into this kind of kingdom value, um, I can get overwhelmed. But I want, instead of us being overwhelmed with that thought, gosh, oh my, my neighbor, I there's so, I mean, there's just needs all around me. How am I supposed to love people? Instead of being overwhelmed with that, let's just think about that word neighbor. Okay? Neighbor. In the Greek language, that simply means somebody that is close by, like proximity close by. Here's my suggestion to us to not be overwhelmed. Start close and move out. Start close and move out. Start with people that are close to you. I'm not talking relationally close, but people that you run into most often, and then move out from there. Uh, I would say start with your local church. I think loving your neighbor can be somebody that's in your church or outside of your church or non-Christian. Um, I'm, you've heard me say it before, but I'm a big fan of, of making sure of even a priority of meeting the needs of those in our church family. It's what Paul says in Galatians 6.10. As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. I think God gives us a, a biblical priority to start with our church family. It doesn't stop there. Do good to everyone, but especially the household of faith who can be our neighbors. Um, we have a church of 25 people. Maybe that's overwhelming. Oh my gosh, 25 people. How am I supposed to love each of these people? Well, start close and move out. Start with two or three other people. Maybe you get together with two or three other people and you hold each other accountable and you pray together and you know each other's lives and you pray for each other so you know each other's needs. So start there. Like, like love Jesus by loving your two or three neighbors that you are doing life most closely with. Just start there. When, when you've accomplished that, then let's talk about like moving out from there. And, and then there's other people in our church that you can look around to love on. So don't be overwhelmed. Look at the person sitting next to you or across from you. When somebody posts something on Slack, someone needs a ride at the airport, someone needs help moving, love Jesus by loving your neighbor. Secondly, even outside of the church, 
love your actual neighbor, okay? We, uh, somewhere along the line, I think we've, um, we've made that word into a, a just kind of a less defined meaning, but neighbor, somebody who's close by, I remember one thing, uh, one of the many things I, I grab, grabbed a hold of while we were um, a part of Cornerstone Church was they said at some point, they're like, hey, we're going to focus on loving our neighbors. And what we mean by that is literally the people that we live next to. Every person can love their next door neighbor. We all have neighbors. Living in LA, we have neighbors that are, we don't have to go very far before we run into our neighbors, right? Maybe you have an apartment that's full of people that you run into. Love the Lord by loving your neighbor. Don't get too wound up in all of the needs and all of the people in the world that I can love. What am I going to do? Just take this at, at face value. Just f- neighbor, okay? Let's let's start with the, the simplest understanding that we have of what a neighbor means. Love that person, the person that you bump into in the in the elevator of your apartment complex. Love Jesus by loving them. The person that has got the heavy tap dancing shoes on your ceiling at night and drives you crazy and keeps you awake. Love Jesus by loving them. When somebody walks into our church gathering, we're like, who is this person? I don't even know. Like, love Jesus by loving them. You understand what I'm saying when I say we can kind of talk ourselves out of loving our neighbors as ourselves because we think, well, where does that ever end? That could never, the, the needs are endless, and how am I supposed to do that? Where are the boundaries to this command if I'm to love my neighbor as myself? But how about instead of focusing where loving your neighbor stops, let's just focus on where it starts. We have neighbors. We have people that are close by to us. What about the people on the other side of the world? What about, I read a, a... on my Facebook page, I saw a GoFundMe for a person who has cancer that I, I you know, they're asking for me, like, should I help that person? I almost said no. <laughs> yes, like, help that person, that's great. Um, but I would suggest that, listen, see if this makes sense. As Christians, we have an obligation to those in need close by to our, our neighbors. We have opportunities to those needs that are far away. We have an obligation to those close by. We have opportunities for those that are kind of out of a, a distance away from us. So as your heart is moved for compassion, for loving people who are outside of your immediate kind of neighbor sphere, um, Meet those needs all you want. But especially, let's just focus on God's command, loving God by loving our neighbors. And your generosity that goes way out there better not be at the expense or the neglect of the people who are close by to us, the Samaritan on the road, the church member, the new person in our church. And it better not be to the neglect of those people. I think we have an obligation there. So that's that's my tip. Start close and move out. Um, if every Christian in the world did that, then we'd, we'd be covered, right? Or almost covered. Start close and move out. So the assignment for tonight, um, 
if you know that if you know that Jesus is is Lord, He's the one Lord, which I think we um, that's not new news to us. And if you want to love Him with all of your everything, then begin to pray for a more spiritual vision and understanding as to who your neighbors are, and love them with with your actions. For this assignment, you don't get any points for singing praise songs to God, telling him how much you love him, and praying and giving thanks to him that way. Those are good things. We should do those too. But specifically, identify your neighbors who how we treat other people we see is how we treat Jesus and love them as if they were yourself, love your neighbor as yourself and as if they were Jesus because that's how we love him. Okay? Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would help us to do this. Um, it's pretty easy to profess our, our love for you and uh, I confess that sometimes that <clears throat> isn't maybe as great of a love as I think it is if I consider how well I love my neighbors at times. Um, Lord, would you help us all to see um, other people as people that are in need of your grace, people that are in need of the gospel, people that are in need of compassion, a listening ear, kindness. Would you help us to see them as we see ourselves? Would you help us to love them as we would like to be loved by them? Would you help us to love you by loving them? God, I pray that we would see your face in the face of everybody that we look at around us and know that our our words are not enough to, to say, oh, I love you, Lord. I love the Lord. And, um, but that you, you want to see a heart that is transformed, that is like Christ, who didn't consider his own greatness or equality with you something to pursue, but he laid down his life for the sake of other people. I pray that we would do so. That would be a genuine expression of our love for you. And we'll praise you as you do this work in our life. Amen. Amen.